0: We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the broadcast. Today we get to tune in and listen to the April breakfast with Pastor Willie George. She spoke about the power of God and how to activate it in our lives. And this is a message that I'm really excited uh, to do a recap for as well. So make sure you check that out. But until then, let's tune in and listen to Pastor George's message to the Brotherhood. You ever heard the verse? I think you have. You've been around church much at all. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's going to mean something totally different to you by the time we get done with this message. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the last thing that Jesus said to the followers before he was caught up into heaven, he said this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, And to the end of the earth. Jesus was telling his followers, you're going to need this in order to do what I'm telling you to do. You can't do it without power. You have to have the equipment. You have to have the spirit of God to be able to do what you're supposed to do. You know, even Jesus needed power. Scripture says in the book of Philippians, second chapter, that when he came to the earth, he stripped himself. He emptied himself. Uh, The King James Bible says, he made himself of no reputation. In Greek, that's a word, kenosis. It means to pour out. So what did he pour out? He poured out the power. It's very obvious that Jesus didn't have the power of being son of God in the first 30 years of his life. He did no miracles. He was very ordinary there was nothing in him, according to Isaiah the prophet, chapter 53, that you would look at him and say, Well, he's really special. It doesn't say that. It says that he was rejected of people. He was despised. In other words, it doesn't mean he was sinful. It just meant that there was nothing supernatural about him in the first 30 years. That's why his own brothers stumbled over the fact that he was Messiah, is because how does this square? How is this guy doing all these miracles? Because we didn't know him that way. And so Jesus had to have the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he was baptized in Jordan River by John the Baptist and came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came down in the visible form of a dove. Now, I don't know who all saw it, but John saw it and Jesus saw it. And from that day forward, he was totally and completely different. The Bible says about him in Acts chapter 10 verse 38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. There's a distinction or there's actually an addition there. Some of the prophets of the Old Testament were anointed with the Holy Spirit but they weren't anointed with power. Daniel is a good example of that. Daniel was not anointed with power. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Okay but he didn't have power to do any miracles. Some of the other prophets are very similar to Daniel. Jeremiah would be another one. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't have power. But Elijah was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. That's why you see the miracles in his ministry and the miracles in the ministry of Elisha, the guy who followed him, they were anointed with power. And Jesus was anointed with this power. He was equipped with this ability. The word power appears over and over again in the New Testament, and it keeps appearing in all these passages we read about the Holy Spirit. And it's a word in the Greek called dunamis. Dunamis means an inherent ability. Now, I'm going to go to another dictionary. I'm going to jump to the English dictionary, and we're going to look at inherent for a second. Inherent means existing in someone or something as a natural and inseparable quality characteristic or right. Ted Williams had an inherent ability to hit baseballs. And they studied Ted Williams. How did he lead the league in in, in batting average every year? How did he do that? And it was found later on that it was because he had incredible vision. He could see the baseball better than any other batter, and that's what gave him the ability to hit like he did. He had great vision. That was an inherent ability, uh, an ability that was just part of who he was. It was part of his makeup, part of his uh, his physical body was this ability to see, which gave him the ability to, to connect with baseballs, Jesus had an inherent ability to help people and to heal people and to deliver people. He got that because of the Holy Spirit. He didn't get it because he brought that with him from heaven. He got it because of the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit. So that's what dunamis is. Dunamis gives us an inherent ability. It is translated ability, might, strength. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it's, it's translated as violence. The Bible says that the uh, um, uh, the three Hebrew children uh, were able to quench the violence of fire. The violence meaning to, to get a hold of something, shake it, and change it really quickly. That's a great picture of dunamis. And so the violence of fire is a good picture of that. So supernatural capabilities become inherent abilities with those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Without the power of the Spirit, there are a lot of people who will never be helped. Now listen to what we read just a minute ago, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. In other words, without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the people who were oppressed of the devil don't get any help. Somehow or another, the church has the idea, a big part of it today, that we can get by without that. That's old-fashioned, that people aren't oppressed of the devil anymore. i got to tell you, today people are more and more oppressed of the devil than ever before. And if we don't know how to deal with some of these things, we're going to get into a big mess. We've got to have the power of God. You cannot live today effectively as a believer without the power of God. And let me tell you why. Because without the power of God, you're whipped. Whether you realize it or not, the minute that you confess Jesus as Lord, you got a target on your back. You have a target on your back. The devil knows who you are. The devil knew who Jesus was. When Jesus would go into public places and minister, demon-possessed people would run in, and they'd never met him, but they would cry out, and they would say, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, Have you come here to torment us before the time? They knew who he was. They'd never seen him before. But they were able to mark him. You think that mark is not on you? Sure it is. But if you don't have the power of God, and you can't stand up to that. That's also something that's known by the enemy. The enemy needs to know that you understand the power of God. That you know how to release the power of God in your life. Because otherwise, you're a righteous person. You're a good person. You're able to help people morally. You can point people in the right direction, but you can't take them there. And that's what made Jesus so special. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. So important that we understand the power of God. This power was actually tangible. There was a woman for 12 years who had an issue of blood. And she has a condition that by the law of Moses requires her to stay away from people and not to touch people. She's in the same class as those who have leprosy in terms of she's not supposed to be touched. And so she hears all this stuff about Jesus and she knows that Jesus is is in the business of, of healing people and most of the time he's laying hands on them. That can't happen for her, so she thinks, because he can't touch her. So she formulates a plan, and this is how she approaches it. She says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can touch the little blue tassel on the end of his prayer shawl, that's what she's talking about, I'll be whole. That's all i got to do is touch that. And so she sneaks up behind him in the crowd without his permission, without asking him. She understands that the power of God comes out of Jesus, and when she did, She was instantly healed. And Jesus turned in the crowd and said, who touched me? (laughs) And his disciples were dumbfounded. Everybody's touching you. What do you mean, who touched me? We're in a mob and they're all bending over and touching you and you're asking the question, who touched me? But he said this, somebody touched me for I perceived power going out from me. Again, it's that word dunamis. The King James Bible doesn't translate it power. Here it translates it Virtue. Well, a virtue is a characteristic of someone. This is a characteristic. This particular virtue is a characteristic which meant that whoever had this had the ability to heal. Now, we need the abilities of the Holy Spirit. And here's where a lot of us get into trouble. We get into trouble because we look at Jesus who was a perfect vessel for God to use. He was not only a perfect vessel, but he had the Holy Spirit without measure, meaning that all of the Holy Spirit that is on the church around the globe today was concentrated in one human being. And that's why wherever he went, miracles happened all day long, He had to slip into a mountain somewhere on top of a mountain to go hide, to pray, to get away from people so he could find time just to eat because people were constantly coming to him. They needed deliverance. They needed healing. All of the power of God on earth was present in one person. Wow. Sometimes people look back and they say, boy, I wish I could sit down and talk with Jesus. I wish I could go back. No, you don't. No, you don't. It was a good thing in many, many respects. But in this respect, it limited very much what God could do around the world. He did this as an example for the rest of us. So we could learn something from the way that he operated. Because he knew there's no way that the needs of the world could be met with one human body. So when he died on the cross, rose from the dead... He empowered his church to carry the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the situation today. I don't have all of the power that Jesus had. I'm not sure any one person, in fact, I know no one person could manage it. It would be more than you could possibly bear. I marvel that he handled it as a human being the way that he did. It was an incredible thing. But that anointing and that power today has been spread. And just because we don't carry it all doesn't mean that we don't carry some. And that sum is an amazing amount. It's way more than what we dare to think. Listen to this. Here's a prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 that the Apostle Paul prays. He said, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Meaning that that power is supposed to flow to all generations. We're a generation. That power is supposed to flow to us as well. It was given to all generations. So what I want you to see here is this power is exceeding abundantly above all. He could have said, he's able to do all you ask or think, but he didn't. He could have said, he's able to do above all you can ask or think, but he didn't. He could have said, he's able to do abundantly above all you're able to ask or think, but he didn't. He said, exceeding abundantly above all, you're able to ask or think. Meaning, even though you and I carry some of that power, it is still way bigger than anything we can conceive in our minds. Now, you may not have five people a day instantly healed, but God wants you to be used to help set somebody free. You may not have multitudes beating down your door coming to you for prayer, but there will be people who come to you for prayer because they know you have something of the power of God in you. Jesus told us that we were going to have these abilities. He said in John chapter 14, verses 16, 17, I will pray the Father... He will give you another helper. In the King James Bible, it says comforter, but really the best translation is helper. It's Parakletos, and it means one who's called alongside to help. He will bring you or send you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Who is he? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. He's a helper. He's not the leader in this situation. In other words, he is not the initiator. Yes, he is our guide. Yes, he is God. Yes, he guides us. But when it pertains to our ministries, it is still up to us to take the lead. We are the initiators of all of this. Meaning that I have to do something to see this power released. The Holy Spirit is not going to put me in a headlock and make me do anything. He is here patiently in me Waiting in me to help me do what I'm supposed to do. And so I've got to learn to cooperate with Him. I've got to learn to put myself in the best position to receive what He wants to do. And it's up to me to initiate this. Who sets the tone for the work? The carpenter's helper or the carpenter? Who is it that guides the surgery? The surgeon? or his nurse. Who is it that leads a job, rewiring a building? Is the electrician or his helper? You see, the helper is there to assist, but he's not the one who initiates. And in this particular role, the Holy Spirit has taken a step back, and he is saying, you have to lead in this part. You have to be the leader in this situation. I will help you, I will equip you, but you have to be the one who flips the switch for this flow to work. You and I have that responsibility and for that reason we are told. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. You have a part to play in that. There's another verse there we'll get to in a minute. Now here it is, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6, before that verse, Here's this one, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. This is the Apostle Paul telling Timothy, remember when I laid hands on you? Remember when you were filled with the Holy Spirit? Now for those of you who are new to this, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a second experience after receiving Christ. When we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit in a measured form. But we also have an opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit in an amazing degree of power. If you hang around churches like ours, you'll hear this called the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Simply stated, it just means that we have said yes to the power of God. But there is an operation that comes with being filled with the Spirit. Now, this is a hard one for 21st century men, to wrap their minds around because it demands an incredible degree of faith. The evidence that we see five times in the book of Acts and in the New Testament, three times it's stated directly, the other two times when it isn't stated directly, it is inferred. But when people were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in another language. They had what we call a prayer language. And here's the difficulty with that. You don't know what the words are. You don't know what they mean. You are speaking syllables that mean nothing to you. Your mind is screaming. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Unfruitful, that's like hiring a sorry guy to come work for you and he didn't get anything done all day long. That's unfruitful. Your mind is saying, I don't see any benefit in this. That's why it is an incredible act of faith. And here's why God ordains it. God ordains it because you don't think big enough. God ordains it because you don't have enough of an imagination yourself to see everything that he wants to do. That his plan for you and for other people that you're going to help... His plan is so much bigger and greater and better than your plan that you would limit it. He can't trust you to set the tone for your own prayers. You can pray for yourself a lot of the time, but there's still so many things that God has for you that you never dreamed possible. That's the beauty of being able to pray with the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit without your mind putting clamps on what you're praying The half-brother of Jesus, the Apostle Jude, said it like this, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. In other words, you get stronger and stronger. Why? Because you're allowing that power to work. You're getting stronger and stronger praying in the Holy Ghost. And that's what it means to pray in the Spirit. Now, praying in the Spirit... Builds us up, but it doesn't do anything for the guy next to me. In fact, it's confusing to the guy next to me, and especially if he doesn't know anything about God. So it tells me that praying in the Spirit is something that ought to be done when I'm alone and when I'm not around anybody. This kind of prayer is something that Jesus endorsed. Listen to what he said in Matthew 6, verse 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. What's he saying? He's saying that the most effective kind of prayer is not the prayer that we pray publicly, although there's a place for that. But when we're praying in the Holy Spirit, we're praying privately most of the time. The Apostle Paul who Talk to the Corinthian church who loved to pray in the Holy Spirit. And they loved to do it when they were all gathered together. They prayed in tongues, so we would say. They did that in groups of hundreds of people. And it didn't do anything but confuse people. And and if someone came in who didn't know what it meant, it really messed them up. And so (laughs) it was unfortunate because part of what they were doing was good. But it was in the wrong place. Let me tell you something. There are numbers of things that God has given us to better our relationships, but you don't do them everywhere. That's why your wife will slap you when you start pinching her on the butt in public. I have little nicknames that I will use sometimes with my wife, and she tells me, don't you say that! And I said, we're alone. She said, I know, but you'll slip sometimes in front of the kids or in public. And I did the other day. (laughs) Thank God. It was in front of the lady who helps clean our house, and and she had the vacuum going, and she didn't hear it, and Deliva didn't hear it either, and I thought, I just about got killed on that one. (laughs) What does this mean? It means there are some things that are God-given that are not for everywhere, right? Some things are God-given that are not for everywhere. And so they're wonderful, but they're not for everywhere. And praying in the Holy Spirit is not something that we do all day long out in front of all kinds of other people or in front of people, uh, even people who love God. This is for me and my personal relationship with God. And I'm going to tell you this. Today, I'm not going to give an invitation for this. And here's why. I have found over the years that when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, the very best thing that can happen to you is for you to be filled with friends nearby that you trust. I know when I was 17 years old and I wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I made the announcement at church, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They said, come on down here and we'll pray you through. Nobody opened the Bible. Nobody gave me any instruction. They didn't tell me how to yield to the Holy Spirit. They didn't tell me that I was going to be the one speaking in tongues. Everybody I talked to said the Holy Ghost is going to take you over. And that even makes it worse when you use the word ghost. Holy Ghost. And it's accurate. I know that. It, you know Because in 1611, ghost and spirit were interchangeable. But it just adds to the eeriness of who he is, the Holy Ghost. And so they said he's, he's praying through to the Holy Ghost. And literally one guy got on the right side of me and he was yelling in my ear, Willie, hang on, hang on, hang on. And the other guy on the other side was whispering in my left ear saying, Willie, turn loose, turn loose. I have no idea what that means. I know what they're probably thinking is that I need to just let it go. But I'm holding my mouth open. And I, at that time, had never seen anybody speak in tongues who wasn't loud and emotional and shaking. And so I was waiting for that loud, emotional shaking. If that's what God wants me to have, I'm waiting for that to come on me. And it didn't happen. But God sent this little woman. And she wasn't just any little woman. She was a mother of a kid who came and sat down by me every time I went to Sunday school when I was 10 years old. And none of the other kids in the class would have anything to do with me, but this kid would get up and walk across the room and come over and sit down beside me and call me by name and talk to me. And I knew that kid had God, and I knew his mother had God. I knew that they were amazing people. She was the one that God prepared for me seven years before that moment I was kneeling on that, on that pew at the front of the church. She was the one that God prepared. And she came and started praying in other tongues, but she wasn't loud and she wasn't yelling and she wasn't emotional. But I knew that lady is a holy woman. I knew that. And I thought there's no way she would be faking any of this. And as I listened to her pray, I thought, She's doing that. She's doing that. I can tell by the way she's talking. That's not something that grabbed her and takes her over. That is her doing that. For the last 30 minutes, I've been hearing these words inside. I'm going to go ahead and say them. So I stuck my neck out, and, and I said it. And turned loose and hang on, started screaming, He got it! He got it! He got it! They had nothing to do with me being filled with the Holy Spirit. They were a hindrance. I know they meant good, but they had nothing to do with it. It was that little woman, me just listening to her. Can I tell you, if the devil can't trip you up with sin, if he can't pull you back into the temptation of the world, the next thing he will try to do is to make you think that every operation and good thing from God is weird and irrelevant that it doesn't work in the real world. Now, I'm going to close with this. Stir up the gift that is in you by the putting on of my hands, said the Apostle Paul. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, those are the three things that you're releasing. The first is power. You will have more of an ability to see supernatural things when you pray in the Holy Spirit, because that's what the anointing of power is. Love, there are times, and in ministry, when you deal with a lot of people, there are times you get your feelings hurt. There are times that you have disappointments. There are times that you get discouraged. Listen to me, in this last year, I cannot tell you how many pastors I've come across who are very discouraged. And I've been discouraged over the years for about an hour, two, maybe. But this is what I did. I knew what my solution was. I would get on my knees and begin to pray in other tongues. And when I did, it's like I'm in a whole new world. I'm ready to go all over again. I have a new love. I want to help people. I love people just like I did when I got my first call to preach. I have that love of God. Stirred up in me. The Bible says in Romans 5 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to have to stir that up. He doesn't do that automatically. And finally, sound mind. He has given us the spirit of a sound mind. You know what a sound mind is? It is a mind that thinks right, it is a mind that thinks accurately, it is a mind that finds answers, it's a mind that finds wisdom. I can't tell you how many times over the years that I have faced problems, money problems, building problems, major decisions in ministry, and I didn't know what to do, but I hit my knees and started praying in other tongues. See if this one sounds familiar. I was praying in November of 1985 about whether or not I buy a piece of property in Mays County, Oklahoma. I have walked over this 154 acres, I've been thinking about doing a kid's camp. I don't know if it's the will of God or not. It seems like a good deal, but I have to know for certain. I've been told it's going to cost me $2 million to open it up. I don't have $2 million. I don't have partners who can give me $2 million. It's not in, in my wheelhouse just yet. But I'm praying on the night, uh, a Sunday night, right after Thanksgiving. And as I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, this is what I hear go after it it won't cost two million dollars it will cost you four hundred thousand to do the first phase and then god told me something about dry gulch that literally came to pass you will never stop building see i thought we were going to build a camp and it would all be done in one blast god said you will never stop building and to the very last year that we owned it we were still building at Dry Gulch. Even when we knew we were going to sell it, there were some things we had to clean up. He said, ask people for help for six months. $50 a month, $35 a month, and $15 a month. It'll be on everybody's level. I raised $300,000 like that. And then when I got that raised, the bank gave me a loan for the next 100000 and we got the first phase open. Everything that God said came to pass, and he gave me a plan to get it done. So what I want you to see is a sound mind is a mind that solves problems. It's a mind that connects things that don't seem to be able to connect. And the power of the Holy Spirit does that. And i got to tell you, if you're not praying in the Holy Spirit daily, you're missing a dimension of your walk with God that you cannot imagine the difference it will make. Get in your small group and start talking to guys that you know are filled with the Holy Spirit. Let them know or come to church and let somebody know here when you are in your church. And if your church doesn't believe in this, then sneak over here some Sunday and ask us. (laughs) Listen to me. Here's why I'm not concerned. If you pray in the Spirit, you'll be a better Christian wherever you go to church. You'll be a better child of God. You'll be a better husband. You'll be a better father. Everything about you will be better when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today for the privilege I've had to help men to understand how important it is to be filled with your Spirit. But Lord, before that, they have to know you. And if there's someone here today who doesn't know you, help me to find them. Now, while your head's bowed and eyes are closed, you say, Pastor Willie, I have never even surrendered my life to Jesus. We're not talking about the Holy Spirit now. I've never surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And I know I need to receive him. I need to be forgiven of my sins and I need to know I'm right with God. I want to pray for you. Would you let me know that you want my prayer by lifting your hand right where you are sit right now? Hold it up high for just a second. It may take me a minute to see. Yes, sir. see your hand. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else anywhere in the room looking all around? Another one over here. Yes, sir. I see you right there. Thank you. Anybody else? Pastor Willie, I want to. Yep, I see your hand, sir. Right there. Anybody else? Pastor Willie, pray for me. I need to receive Jesus Christ. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. Pray it with me right now. You three in particular who lifted your hand, but the rest of us are going to join you because we want to help you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. You took care of my sins when you sent Jesus to die on a cross in my place. Then you raised him from the dead. Because he lives, I can have him in my life. Lord Jesus, I confess, you are my boss. I live my life for you. I believe you are alive. Live in me now. I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give these guys a big hand clap. Johnny.